Coffee Conversations about Influence Marketing is brought to you by Influential, a strategic consultancy that takes the guesswork out of influence marketing for your brand. We provide much-needed strategically crafted frameworks on how to implement influencer campaigns specific to your brand needs. Good day, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to Coffee Conversations about influence marketing again. As always, I'm Anne, and I'm your host for today. And today, we truly have an exciting episode lined up. I know I say this every week, but today's is even more special. We are speaking about the baby soft influencer campaign that caused a huge ruckus on Twitter and trended even a couple of weeks ago, but it kind of trended for all the wrong reasons. Instead of people being influenced, they were more mocking the content and wondering who was actually responsible for approving this content. But was it an actual failure or was it a success? So today we have two special people talking to us about this campaign. Firstly, we have Talia Goldberg. She is a freelance creative director and social media strategist. She co-founded and sold Nifty 250, an Instagram printing startup, was the creative director of Seattle Coffee Company, and now works with a range of clients on everything from influencer marketing and Instagram strategy to e-commerce. So she is a great person for us to talk to about marketing and the influencer side of things uh, on this campaign. And then we have Muhale Mutahung, who is an actor, model, entrepreneur, and an influencer. And he was an influencer on this campaign. He is also a CEO and founder of a company called Glamtrope, a company that aims to provide makeovers for disadvantaged children for their matric dances. So we wanted Muhale on the podcast to talk to us more about it from an influencer perspective who actually worked on it. So without any further delay, here is today's episode. Please let us know what you think. Let us know what your thoughts was on the Babysoft campaign. Enjoy. Good morning, Talia and Muhali. Thank you so much for making time to be on the podcast today, discussing the Babysoft Supreme Court um, campaign that was on a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So let's start at the beginning. Um, can each of you maybe just introduce yourself to our listeners? Let's start with you, Muhali. Please tell us more about yourself. Cool. So my name is Muhali Mutaung Shongo. I'm 24 years old. I am an entrepreneur, model, and actor, a social media influencer as well. Um, but I'm predominantly more into entrepreneurship, and that's me. Amazing. Amazing. And you, Talia? I am Talia Goldberg. I am currently a freelance creative director and social media strategist. In the past, I've started and sold a tech startup, and I've worked with some amazing South African brands in terms of influences, social media strategy, and creative direction. Oh, wonderful. We definitely have the right people today to talk about this campaign. I'm so excited. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So let's start with you, Moali. Since you were Mm -hmm. an influence on this campaign, I think it's only fit that we ask you to give us a bit of background on the campaign. So what was it about? What really was the brief and how did you get involved in it? Okay, cool. So I I have an app, an influencer's app called Human. Yeah. On humans, they put down, you know, different types of campaigns and how it works is that you usually go there and bid a price that you would charge for the campaign after obviously seeing the entire description of what they want you to do. Um, so I went on to humans, but I didn't really bid. Then I got a message from them saying they'd like me to be part of the campaign. Um, okay. if, 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 you know, I, I like what the brief is about, then I went to look at the brief. So the brief was mainly, we must... Um, create content around the new, you know, uh, baby soft supreme quilt. Uh, mm-hmm. 
and and the idea around it was to show people that there is a more softer type of toilet paper that they're introducing um with more you know sheets more luxurious more soft and so forth but you know the whole idea was to be as creative as possible because it's tissue at the end of the day and there's not really much you, know you can do with, <laughs> with tissue um so they said okay look at you know the type of social media content that you would put out there and with me um i put out more fashion i put out more lifestyle and i i had to think of you know ways to include that into what i would you know post on a, on, on a daily basis and that is basically the, the the brief and how i got into it okay do you have any idea what the strategy behind this campaign perhaps was so i think the strategy was to to you know get people to to have conversation about tissue uh okay. I, i don't think people just sit down and decide to say guys let's talk about toilet paper people don't do that <laughs> so the idea yeah. was to, to get people talking about it and kind of look at why do people really love about toilet paper and why do people buy baby stuff and since there is something more softer than what we know baby stuff to be are people still going to buy it and i think the main idea for me was to push conversation and have people talking okay because i kind of looked at it and i was like do we really need influencers on a toilet paper mm, campaign mm, like mm. you know people love baby softs in any case why yeah. would so my question is what was the real objectives of this campaign was it just to stir conversation or was it to create awareness of this new supreme court range i think uh, uh, i think a bit of both but mostly conversation because like you're saying and you are correct people love baby soft people are yeah. really buying baby soft and for people it's not even a brainer when people think about the best toilet paper they think baby soft so there's not much really to convince people about because baby soft is a quality product that's been there for long and people are already using it um so i think more conversation and okay. and because i i think people and especially when when it went to twitter which i know we will talk about that later but yeah people had a whole lot of ideas around how <laughs> it could have been done uh but i definitely think conversation is it okay talia what was your your kind of impression of the brief or could have been clearer um so i obviously i work in social media so like i like and yeah. i work with a lot of influencers for different brands so i'm on the app humans mainly just to see kind of what brands are posting um and what agencies are posting so it's kind of like a little bit of undercover detective work of who's doing what <laughs> and seeing it like your cover's been blown talia been blown been blown me off the app um but basically i really enjoy seeing like which brands are uh, working on these kind of things what kind of things they're asking influencers for what kind of budget mm. they have and then after the campaign like i go check the hashtag and see like oh how many people did they use um and i think sure. i mean so i think it's like an interesting thing i mean I, it's amazing that baby soft has budget in the middle of a global pandemic to spend on influencer marketing i think that says mm-hmm. actually a lot about if you remember at the beginning of the pandemic like how many people were like stocking up on toilet Stop paper buying. and it was like you couldn't get toilet paper at the shop so i'm sure their sales were just like insane for the month of yes. Yes. they've never done so much sales in their life so it was like and to be honest i thought that they should have done something then 
I thought, and I think okay. that's a little bit of my feeling of frustration with brands in South Africa is I don't think they're very flexible and responsive to like the current mm-hmm. moment. It was such a toilet paper moment then. I mean, people were literally like fighting in stores over. I mean, it's not funny, but it is kind of funny in Absolutely. So I kind of had a look at the brief. To be honest, I don't think I. I think I really kind of started seeing it a lot on Twitter, which was kind of taken up as the context of Instagram and having a caption. And I think that's where it kind of went most viral was Twitter. And I think the whole thing mm-hmm. of doing this new soft quills line or whatever they were trying to sell was completely lost in that conversation I think people were just posting these kind of really funny lifestyle pictures with toilet paper in it so I don't know if it necessarily got across the thing that it wanted to do I definitely think people were talking about being soft and if that was their objective that's great I think there also is this interesting thing in marketing where it's like you want to kind of own a whole kind of brand you want to own the whole I've kind of lost the word now but like when you think of tissues and well more like when people say tissues they're like well you pass me a Kleenex or I'm going to use Tippex or when you use glue it's like Prit even though like no one has bought Prit in like (laughs) so expensive and I think like if they could start doing a thing where you don't ask for like two ply or three ply toilet paper you ask for baby soft I mean that's like pretty Mm. Absolutely. But I saw the brief and the brief was kind of like, um, we want you to post really heartfelt, authentic content, yeah. kind of celebrating the luxurious moments. And mm. I, I don't feel like that's what came through t- on the actual content. And I think, Mwala, maybe you can elaborate to us what kind of content you created for this campaign. Cool. So we you know, had to create uh, three types of content. So it was, mm-hmm. you know, two on, on your Instagram feed and one Instagram story. So the very okay. first one was just to showcase that there is Baby Soft Supreme Quilt, a new product within the, the Baby Soft range. Mm-hmm. And I think that one was fairly okay because okay. You, know, you, you were just saying, hey, guys, there's a new product. Take a picture with the product or, you know, the product in the background or whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. Just say, guys, here. And I think where uh, the the bit of the confusion came in was with the with the second post. Okay. Because with the second post, then you had to create a lifestyle post using toilet paper. Got it. Yes. How do you even do that? Yeah, that that was uh, a bit <laughs> difficult because it is toilet paper. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit intimate to create this lifestyle picture. There's not much you can do. And I think there there was a bit of a struggle with with that type of content because Mm. they said to me that, I mean, you post fashion, see what you can put together with tissue and fashion. And I was so confused. You know, I was like, oh my God, how does one do this? Um, (laughs) And and, and the third one was an Instagram story, just, you know, Mm. talking about the benefits of the product, which that one was fine as well. So the yeah, one that was most, yeah. The one that was most difficult was the second one, the lifestyle post. And I think that's, and I think the, that's the one that caused all the conversation yeah, on that's Twitter. The one. To be very honest. That's the one. That's <laughs> the one. Because you know, um, so I think the brief for the, the first and the third post were okay. We could have maybe ended it there. Um mm. the one with the lifestyle post and the tissue was the one that got people creating all sorts of 
of weird stuff and we are seeing a whole lot of things, mine included. Um, so, so yeah, but that is the content that I created. If you don't look to, can I just ask, in terms of the two posts that you posted to your feed, what your engagement was like on your first post versus the lifestyle post? Like, if you did get a lot more engagement, comments, eyeballs on the second one, or if it was kind of equal? So, so I got more interaction on the on the, the second one actually, the one that yeah. was very confusing, because I mean I got yeah. over twenty three thousand likes, over two hundred and seventy comments. Um, wow. You know, it, people were interacting with a lot, whereas the first one was about thirteen thousand likes and and about seventy comments. So they found the second one funny, um, mm. and but I'm not sure if it was really about the product. Or about me just posing with with <laughs> so you know I think the message is a bit lost in translation. It was you know entertainment at the end of the day, but you know I think mm. it didn't really deliver the message that it was supposed to be because people were focusing more on the outfit, me having the t-shirt around my neck, and yeah. not really about the product that you know we're trying to to get people to to see. Absolutely. But to the credit of all the influencers, everyone got very creative. Yes. Like yes. everyone put out some really creative stuff there. I think I don't know if I would have done that, but uh credit's you where credit is due. Um but that leads me to another question. Yes. And um, since the second post was so tricky to do, was there actually a pre approval process for this content that actually went through clients that said, sure, post that? That actually was. And it, it, it took a while because what they did is, I mean, we would submit the content on a Sunday and okay. they would send it over to clients and it would probably come back the following week. So okay. I, I'm guessing clients sat down and looked at all the posts and actually approved them, you know? And, and I did go on social media and say, all of this was approved by clients because it was not a, okay, guys, just take pictures and post. It was actually a, very, yes. a lengthy pre-approval process. So we're not really sure what, what happened behind closed doors with clients and, and the agency there. Um, but yeah, there was a, a pre-approval process. That's so strange. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And that's oh. what I was going to ask. Like, there was a process, okay. Was there any, was everything done online and through the app or could you, was there like a real person who actually spoke to you to kind of try and keep you on brand or on brief and kind of guide you? Or was it just kind of like through the app, submit your things, you'll get the approval and post? There was a real person. So what they did okay. is they assigned a, a, a lady who, okay. you know, you would send content to, and she would remind you and say, okay, guys, I need content Sunday at 2 p.m. So there was a real person, like, who call okay. us, make sure that, you know, everything is, is, is happening. Okay, perfect. So, Talia, what was your overall thoughts of this campaign? Like, when you just looked at it? I thought it was extremely random. I thought... <laughs> I thought Next two of us. I thought the women were extremely creative which props to them um Absolutely. and i think that the brand got people talking about baby stuff mm. i've got to say that at the end of the day 
I think it's quite difficult to get people to talk about um, toilet paper. So if this was a fun, creative way to yeah. do it, and that was their objective, then I mean, then they they achieved their objective. <laughs> <laughs> um, but keep the brief in mind. I think we can all agree saying do heartfelt, relatable content. They kind of missed the mark there, right? With that objective. I think that sometimes the problem is the brief. <laughs> Um, yes, and not necessarily like it's not the execution of the brief; it's just a really bad brief. And mm. I mean, I didn't really understand the brief. Um, I'm reading it again now, and it's about maintaining <laughs> a smile and small wins, and it's 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 just a very strange brief. Um, but I think toilet paper is a very strange product to uh, market. Awesome. Um, congrats to them. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think then? Does toilet paper really need to be marketed through like influencers? My honest opinion is no, <laughs> but okay. if brands have budgets um, and they want to give it to influencers, I'm all for influencers getting paid. Um, Absolutely. The business we're in. <laughs> and if they get to create like really fun content and, they agree to the brief and they're happy with the amount that they got paid and they get to do something fun and creative. That's amazing because I think there are so many brands that influencers would absolutely die to work with who at this point yeah. are basically offering trade exchange or here's some mm -hmm. product or are really not willing to part with actual cash. So at the end of the day, mm. I think that the more brands that are willing to put their money where their mouth is and pay people for their content, mm. I think overall it's just much better for the influencer economy in South Africa. I think it's bad in terms of I don't like these one post campaigns. I think I really mm. can't believe in like building long term relationships between the mm -hmm. client, yep. the brand and influencers and where people can actually start I don't want to say influencing, but like being content creators and actually doing this as a job. Where I find yeah. in South Africa that's like really not very viable unless you're kind of living at home with your parents and studying and you don't really have that many bills to pay um i don't know yeah. that many people who are able to afford a full amazing lifestyle that they're kind of selling on instagram via selling instagram posts oh i think that is so valuable because that mm. is so true but i do think we'll kind of get there but we we kind of lag it i don't know if we're gonna get there Really? Mwale, what do you think? Sure. Um, I think it's going to be a long process. Uh, it's, it's not going to happen as, maybe as quick as we want it to be. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with, uh, with Taylor that. I really hope we do. I think I've, what I've seen in this market is that there are just too many people willing to post for free. So if you're not mm. willing... Mm. kind of do it as a trade exchange, take the product and post about it. Um, they'll just move on to someone else because influence they can. because so many people and I think obviously like every year there are more and more young people who are getting into this and I think yeah. I, I, I can't yeah. remember that exactly, but they asked like a whole lot of teenagers in the UK what their dream job was. They all wanted to be YouTubers and influencers. I mean, when I was like a teenager, like there wasn't YouTube and that you could you couldn't be a content creator. These things didn't all. Yeah. But I don't think that people realize how difficult it actually is to get money out of brands. 
unless you already have like hundreds of thousands of followers like your Mahalis or your Sarah Langers. Um, so it, it, it's, I, I think it's really difficult to grow the space because of how many people are willing to do it for free and the brands are not necessarily, I don't, I don't know why they're not seeing the value in it in terms of paying and building these long-term relationships. Um, it does make me a little disheartened. I think in South Africa, it just is an incredibly difficult career because of how many people are wanting to do it, how many people keep coming up in it. And how many people are willing to work for free or a very small amount or a trade exchange for way too long into their kind of careers. So they already have five, 10,000 followers and they've got a niche mm. and creating amazing content and a brand comes mm. to them and says, oh, we'll give you 2,000 rand worth of product. Oh, I'll drop you off this bottle of vodka. I'll give you this tequila, whatever. Come to this mm. experience. And the brands are kind of very used to not getting that much kickback, I think, where they're like, oh, I'm like, I'm so grateful for all this free shit. And I've always, I've always said the operative word and free shit is shit. In terms of, <laughs> I'm saying the, the stuff that you get paid and then you buy, that's amazing. Like, you need to be able to actually get paid money so that you can pay your rent. Yes. Yes. And if you want to get some free tequila on top of it, amazing. But I also want to get put, like, paid for posting about tequila, if mm. that's what posting about. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Most of you know that Influential is our podcast sponsor. But did you know that my co-host Anne heads up the agency? And that is the first ever boutique agency in South Africa that specializes in developing strategy for influencer marketing. Anne and the team are experts in the field. And they've spent years warning their skills and knowledge about influencer marketing. And at some of the country's biggest PR and media agencies. The moment that you think you might want an influencer campaign... Make sure to call or email them first because without strategy, you might not have the outcomes that you would like and are looking for. In addition to talking all things influence on this podcast and also puts together the fantastic influential newsletter that comes out every month. And this is another way for you to keep up to date with the industry. The link to latest newsletter is in the show notes. Check it out. And if you like, please subscribe. And contact details are also on there. Let's keep the conversation flowing. It's a fantastic point. I think Mwale and I are both like, yes, we think the same thing. <laughs> but getting back to, to the campaign, um, looking at what Mwale said, that one in three uh, posts was the brief was clear. Everyone could do that. But the second one was a bit tricky. Yeah. Where, Talia, do you think um, the brand could have maybe done a better job of maybe instructing the influencers of what exactly they wanted or should they have changed that brief? I mean, I think they could have maybe given examples of like shot their own images in terms of like what the kind mm -hmm. of things they were looking for. Um, alternatively, like we're looking at it like they got it wrong and maybe the brand's looking at it like, wow, these people went above and beyond and made like toilet paper shoes and all this. And I think that if people hadn't been so creative and hadn't gone mm. so kind of over the top and it was like so hysterically funny, I don't think it would have gone on Twitter. And I don't think it would have, I don't, I don't know if it went viral or not. Like I'm not a huge fan of that word, but a lot of people <laughs> saw it because of the person who made yeah. the whole thread about it on Twitter, where to be honest, I didn't see it on Instagram at all until 
until I went and actually searched and looked for it myself. It wasn't in my feed of the people I follow. Um, so maybe it did work even though it didn't work. I get what you're saying. And the same with me. I didn't see it on my Instagram feed at all. I saw it on Twitter and I saw the discussions mm. and I was like, wait, let me go have a look at this. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people did find out about the campaign that way, right? Yeah. So yeah. that leads me to the next question. Mwali, we people on Twitter were talking. I mean, I think it even trended at some point, um, Babysoft, full yeah. range, hashtag yeah. trended. Amazing, right? Because brands are always like, yes, we want to trend. Yeah. But then when you looked at the conversations, people were kind of mocking they were criticizing. It was revolved around the payment around the campaign. So is all PR really good publicity? I don't know. I I don't really think so. I mean, they, they sent us a a message after everything went viral on Twitter. And they yeah. said, we are seeing what's happening on Twitter. Don't worry. Um, all is fine. All is well. Okay. And for me, I, I was like, it's good for people to talk about the brand and the product, but it's also important yeah. to look at what exactly are they saying about the product. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, you don't want you know, the brand to be tarnished or to be bashed, to yep. say, I mean, yeah, we get that you guys have budget and you're introducing a new product, but the way you guys went about it was, was not well. It did not work. Mm. So there was a lot of criticism there was a lot of mockery. There was a lot of people laughing, you know? Yeah. And, and we, we can't just say PR is, is good because people are talking. Uh, PR is, exactly. is bad depending on what people are saying. So yeah. I don't think it was good at all. Okay. Because it can be really reputationally damaging, right? Yes. yes. Um, so, Talia, how do brands or how can they avoid these kind of conversations getting out of hand i mean one moment you are literally just doing a campaign for your brand and the next you just see all these negative comments coming out is there a way to actually kind of try and control that people don't go off script so to speak um i don't think so i think that if you're playing on the internet this is what you're going to get i mean even when coronavirus started i mean the amount of jokes the south africans were making i think south africans just make jokes about a lot of things like things can be going really bad i gotta say say the one thing south africans 100 percent have is a really good sense of humor and everything's a joke everything's funny um so, I mean, I don't think this was reputationally damaging to Staysoft. I think that there have been yeah. brands have made serious missteps in terms of so many mm-hmm. other. This was not like an incident like the Spur video. Like, this is not even close. Yeah, um, look. And I think, and I think the other interesting thing with social media is, and we're in this um, 24 hour news cycle. So it was funny for like. Mm-hmm. The, not even 24 hours. I don't think it even got its 24 hours of fame. It kind of blew no, it was like mm. a solid yeah. four or five hour block. Yeah. And then I think the people in marketing and influencers and apps were still having a conversation about it, but I don't mm. think that it affected anyone. And maybe other people, when they walk into checkers or pick and pay or spa and they see baby stuff, they'll see it and like the brand recognition, they'll lull about. Instagram of the girl with the toilet paper on her shoe. I thought that was a really good one. And maybe they'll have a laugh about yeah. it. Like they have actually a genuinely good feeling towards the brand because maybe it doesn't take itself so seriously. And 
I love brands that don't take themselves so seriously, but I don't know if that's mm. what to get across. For me, I don't think it's a terrible thing, but I don't know how seriously they take themselves or don't take themselves. Yeah. It is quite difficult to take yourself seriously as toilet paper, though. <laughs> <laughs> but in the end of the day, like Stay Soft toilet papers always had this very wholesome kind yeah. of image about it. Like it's wholesome, it's family. And bam, this campaign comes and we're all like, oh, this is funny. Maybe it's a, a repositioning. I don't know. And, and like you say, people aren't exactly having negative feelings towards it. Yeah. They're just like, that was yeah. funny. And I think that the other thing is I think that Twitter is not an indication of the broader South African market. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes, like, I mean, I've been on Twitter since like 2009 i'm obsessed with twitter i love twitter i get all my new yep. information from twitter yes. but most of my friends and most of the people i know are not on twitter they don't use it they don't see the news like i do and they have a completely different experience of it like they wouldn't have seen this baby soft thing it wouldn't have blown up it, it was not like this huge incident so i don't know how many people and then i think it's really funny when they do this pr report and it says oh we reached 30 million eyeballs and you're like they're not even <laughs> million South Africans you did not reach half the population <laughs> it was the same people over and over again so I think mm. it's interesting I didn't think it was a bad thing I think it blew up it was funny whether the brand wants to continue this or not I guess well I'll keep checking on humans to see if they post again <laughs> Please alert us when they do. <laughs> Moana, you send us a message the moment that happens, please. <laughs> yes, yes, 100%. <laughs> so then the big question is, Moana, do you think this campaign was a success? Did they reach their objectives? And why? Sure. To be honest, I, I, I don't think they did because of the particular second post. I think okay. um, with, with, the, with the first post and the third post, that would have been fine. It would have made a campaign a success because it would have just been baby stop using influencers to introduce a new product. It ends there. Yeah. That would have been fine. But with the lifestyle post that made a trend on Twitter, it diverted the attention of what the campaign is about and what they're trying to achieve and made it look okay. like they were not prepared, made it look like the brief was not um, put out correctly, made it look like, you know, Someone somewhere, someone somewhere is not doing their job. Mm-hmm. So it made people really look at all the mistakes about the brief and the campaign and Babysoft itself more than what the objective of the campaign was, which led then to people saying, ah, nope, that's uh, not it. So uh, my personal honest opinion, no. It wasn't. Okay, interesting. And you, Talia, what do you think? I agree and disagree. I I agree on the fact that the whole baby soft quilts or whatever the new product that they were launching, I don't. I think that was completely lost in the conversation. And I think that if they wanted anyone to know they had a new product, that was a complete fail. Mm-hmm. It did not work at all. Um, and I think that if they hadn't had that second post, which got a lot more engagement on Instagram but also on Twitter. I think it would have had reached a very small amount of people. So you can mm-hmm. compare okay. that versus they added in this really funny thing that didn't necessarily fit any brief and the influences went above and beyond in creativity and mm-hmm. it reached probably 10 times as many people because it was so ridiculous and funny. 
So if they were looking for brand reach um, and people talking about baby stuff, they got it. I mean, I think the same thing happened last week. I don't know if you saw with the um, Life Boy soap. Um, yeah, I did. The video with Sarah Langer washing her hands with Life Boy soap. And then all these people were going, oh, Sarah Langer would never use that. Like, she's wearing Richmond Seasy. She's wearing, like, all these designer brands. There's no way that that's yeah. the soap that they, she's using. Complete disconnect. Disconnect. Why don't they use influencers who actually will use that product? All of this stuff. At the end of the day, however much they paid Sarah for that campaign, because they used mm. it and it didn't work, they had probably a hundred times more conversation around the campaign and the video mm-hmm. and people posting about it because the brand connect was kind of wrong. But people were still talking about Life Boy Soap. And, like, I would never talk about Life Boy Soap. Mm. And there I am talking about Life Boy Soap's, like, free-owned media that they got because it was a disconnect. So I think there's, like, this weird thing happening that kind of when you do wrong, but, like, you don't, like, necessarily, I don't want to say, you didn't fuck up, but it didn't really work. There's kind of this thing where it actually goes up more and it's, kind of interesting that and I think that if people stuck to the brief and it was very like vanilla and clean and kind of yeah. boring I don't think that it would have got the reach that it did and I think that we all know on social media it's impossible to get reach these days without boosting, yeah. boosting. So the fact that they got this organic reach via this Amazing. I, mean, I mean maybe that's actually the trick is just having things that don't really, <laughs> don't really work and are a little bit strange and there you've got your reach yeah i'm always really conflicted about it i'm not gonna lie speaking about the life boy campaign speaking about this campaign it is kind of like are brands going out there to do like anti-campaigns to get <laughs> that reach i think so or it's kind of you know and then i'm also like but did it work if the sentiment wasn't positive? Mm. You know, it's just, it's all very confusing to me. If you wanted reach and talkability, great. But do you not want that sentiment to be either neutral or positive? Is that then not, that's what your kind of objective then is? And this failed. But I think, I think that people are being negative towards the execution of the campaign. I don't think that people are being negative mm-hmm. towards Life Boy or Baby Stuff or Sarah Langer, mm-hmm, or any mm-hmm. who were in the baby. Fair enough. So it's like kind of an interesting thing because I don't think it was bad for the brand. Um, and I don't think that people... More for the Perhaps. Um, and I don't think that Lifebuoy or Baby Soft are going to see a reduction in sales because of it. I don't think we won't be like, oh, no, I'm not. No. I never buy Baby Soft again. I think that Baby Soft customers the majority of them would never have seen this campaign anyway because they aren't on Instagram, mm. they aren't on Twitter, they're probably older. Um, we don't even know who their actual audience and target market is. I feel like millennials are probably buying the cheapest toilet paper possible at this time in a global market. Yes. <laughs> so I think it's all very interesting and I think these are very difficult products to market. So if they're huge brands and they have huge budgets and they can get away with doing funny things like this. And it just increases mm. talkability around the brand, however ridiculous it is. I still don't think it's a negative sentiment. I don't, okay. th- mm. I don't think, I don't think people are like baby softer shit, life boy is shit. No, I think that no. the people who work in the marketing department don't necessarily know what they're doing. <laughs>
You know, but then that also, you said an interesting thing. We don't know who their target market was. And if they're not speaking to their target market, does it even matter that the campaign existed then? Like, exactly. Um, But I think that's like the really funny thing about social media. And it's just like, I think that not all brands need to have social media platforms. I don't think Baby Self needs a Twitter. Um, Do they need to do influencer campaigns? It's interesting. No, it 100% is. That's the first question also. I was like, it's toilet paper. It's probably the most known and loved toilet paper in South Africa. You know, I don't know. I don't know, guys. <laughs> but some clients and marketing might have tried the influence marketing for the first time on a campaign like this. It mm-hmm. blew up. And they might have kind of like felt like they were burnt a little bit. Maybe they don't think it was a success. How do you even turn that around and kind of get confidence back into influence marketing then? Because we've seen it time and time again with clients who go like, you know, I don't like influence marketing. I did a campaign and it just, it didn't work for me. Mm. Uh, how do you restore that confidence? I don't know. I mean, for sure. me, to be honest, I think that the major problem here is the human's app. And that's why I'm kind of so interested in it. Um, I mm-hmm. think okay. the problem is not the brands. I don't even think the problem is the influencers. I think it's the agencies in between who are putting these influencers mm. Together, and I think they should be held a lot more accountable. I think using an app like Humans is so lazy. I think that if you know, I think that if you are, if your speciality is digital marketing and social media, and your whole thing is setting up amazing collaborations with influencers for your brands, you should know all the influencers. Like, you should know them. You should have relationships with them. You should be able to talk to them. You should have to have amazing briefs. And I think that this thing of, I think that they're trying to use this app almost to get scale and that people can kind of nominate themselves. Like, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. like do you know what I mean? Like, Charlize Theron doesn't get to, like, nominate herself for, like, a Dior ad. Like, you, you want, <laughs> the brand goes and picks the person, you know, who they want yeah. as the thing. Brand. And I think it's the same with this influencer marketing is that whoever you are giving your product to, you're paying to post about it, you're really saying you are an ambassador for my brand, whether that's mm-hmm. one post, whether that's a campaign over three years, whereas the weather's like Nadia Jaffa as the face of Canal Walk, that you have to buy into everything that influencer has done in the past, is going to do going through, like you have to buy into mm-hmm. what it is they're selling. And I think that using these apps and there are other websites where you can do it, where like people literally bid to do it. I think it's a lazy way to do it. And I think you're going to keep getting these mistakes. I mean, at the same time, I think that there is also this huge problem where agencies and people who work in these influencer marketing are really good friends with influencers. And then they kind of land up using the same people over and over again. And then you have all these micro influencers on Twitter saying like, open up industry and it's not fair and we can't get a foot in the door. And that's 100% true too. But I think that everyone in the agency is actually like, if this is your bread and butter and you believe in influencer marketing and you really think that they do boost brand awareness, boost sales, whatever you are using them for, I think that you really have to build relationships with micro-influencers, macro-influencers, all of them, and like actually really craft amazing briefs and maybe go smaller and use less people, but also try and use new people. And I think... Those agencies, I think the brands, I think I find it's very, it's not very often that the brand puts these campaigns together themselves. It's almost no. like an agency. Mm. And I think mm. that's where you have to 
made to disconnect, unfortunately. That's interesting. What do you think, Mwale? Sure. So I, I definitely think that um, brands should, should do more work, more than just handing everything over to agency and feel like, I know the agency will do the work, it's fine, we'll just relax. You know, mm-hmm. they, they should also do their part in researching who they want to use, researching what's out there in the market, you know, testing how, you know, whatever they want to do will be perceived. Because I think it's, it's mm-hmm. all great and well to use agency, but that, that should not be the only thing they rely on without doing their own yeah. homework. Because also we should remember that the agency wants to use whoever they want to use, they want to make their money, and that's it, mm-hmm. you know? And they, they don't really sometimes care enough for the brand to think about the repercussions if whatever goes wrong, mm-hmm. if they choose whatever influencer that might not be good for the brand. And, and, and like Tyler's saying that these influencers become ambassadors for the product, even if it's one post, even if it's one tweet, yeah. because they represent the entire brand because of, of association. Um, so my take is brands and, and the marketing team and marketing directors should really put in more effort to work closely within the entire campaign. You know, they should mm-hmm. not just hand over everything to agency and, and remove themselves from, from the process because then it, it means that they're not really involved in the process. They just want to pay it over and as long as the work is done. So I think, yeah, they should work closely with influencers know who's being used, who's not being used, why the person is being used, mm-hmm. and the execution, so that, you know, when everything has gone out there, they're also able to, yeah. you know, become accountable and say, okay, this is what we did, this is what happened, instead of, you know, them not really knowing anything because they were not fully involved. I 100% agree with both of you, and I think, for me, the biggest disconnect is that the brands that actually hire these agencies to do things, um, they need to be more collaborative. Mm-hmm. So it needs to be more of a partnership. Mm-hmm. You can't just be like, and I look, there's agencies out there that specializes in influence marketing, like you have one specialized in PR, and that's amazing. Mm-hmm. They know their influences, they have the relationships, they build the databases, they vet people, they know what you know audiences go where, they know how to actually pair influences with the right campaigns. But you still need the brand and the marketer to come to the party and say, you know what, let's do this. Let's sit together. Let's see how we craft a strategy. What do we want out of this? Like, who do, do I have a vision for this campaign? Do I know what success looks like? And then go, let's work on this. Sit together. Here's the influences we think will work amazingly well with your brand. We've vetted them. They haven't worked with your competitors in so many years, this is what people think of them. They're the right target market they're speaking to. What do you think? And then it becomes a conversation. And at the end of the day, you you hopefully get the right people on a campaign. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100%. And then I think so, what, what amazing that happens from that is once you have the conversation and once like the influencer has met the agency and has met the brand, I think that the brands then kind of also – and you build a relationship and there's some trust and you've done one post, then I think there's a lot more room for growth. Um, and yes. a lot of can work with you again. And I love what you did with that. Let's do this. Oh, winter's coming. Let's do something around this. Let's do this. We're doing this charity campaign. Will you be involved with it? And I think, and I think my problem with like an app like humans is it's very transactional. It's very 
here's the mm, brief. Mm, what we're going to tell mm. you, this is what we're going to do. Never hear from you again. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stuff, like you don't have any connection to the brand. You don't have any connection to the agency. Like if you wanted to pitch yourself to that brand again because you're posted like so amazingly and you're like, oh, I have this amazing idea I could do. You're so disconnected. Where back in the day, like, oh, yeah. like back in the day, but like when I used to work with brands, like, I was having meetings with the actual brand manager and I had the email address. Yeah. And like if I wanted, if I came up with a cool idea of something I wanted to do, I could just send them an email and go have a meeting and then you get the ball rolling. But I feel like the way that it's kind of set up now is like, it's not set up to grow an industry or economy around influencers. It's about like, here, mm-hmm. take the money, whoever comes up next, we'll pay them kind of chat. Yeah. And I agree with that. I come from PR backgrounds. And like you said, back in the day, that's not really back in the day. But before all these apps and things, when we used influencers, when we used media and campaigns, I used to sit one-on-one meetings with these people and be like, awesome. This is why we would love to collaborate with you on this brand. We, You've done X, Y, and Z, which we really appreciate. Brand loves you. Let's talk. What can we do together? Do you have any cool ideas that you maybe think? Let's talk about. Let's brainstorm together. And I built such great relationships that they 100% were top of mind when I had campaigns that would fit them. Yeah. Um, and secondly, when they would just pop me an email or a WhatsApp even going like, oh, Anne, I've got a great idea. Can we chat? I'd be like, yeah, let's go. You know? And I think that from your perspective, mm. and from the brand's perspective, it's more expensive to do things like that because it takes longer mm. for people to have meetings and all of that. But I think that the quality of engagement and the quality of relationships you get out of it, it's like you can't even compare. It's completely priceless. You can't put a number on that. Yeah. Mm. Okay, guys, it's unfortunately come to almost the end of our conversation. And I've absolutely loved this because we've got like such a holistic view and just kind of comments and thoughts on this campaign, which is great. Um, so let's start with Mwali. Do you think that um, this campaign will aid in selling more of the new baby soft range? Sure. I think when, when people go to store and maybe see baby soft supreme quills they'll think oh my this is the conversation that was happening on twitter and maybe that might just prompt people to to buy it or try it but bit of intrigue yeah <laughs> but um i think baby soft already has an existing customer base that doesn't really need to be convinced yeah. about quality about the greatness of the mm. toilet paper um so i think people will maybe buy it just because they were talking about it um, okay. or maybe just to say, okay, well, I've been buying baby soft for all my life or for, for recent times. Let me try this one and see what Mohale was saying about it. Um, <laughs> but but I, I, I don't think the sales would drop in any way. Uh, I no. don't think they'll, 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 they'll rise extremely. Um, I think people will just buy baby soft. Will you buy it? I, I, I think, well, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I definitely would. Um, well, yeah. to, to be honest with you, it, it is very much soft. It is great. It is proper. Oh, good, good, yeah. good. So, so, so the qualities that I spoke about are really there. Fantastic. Um, so, yes, I, I definitely would. Amazing. And you, Tali, do you think people will actually go out and buy Baby Soft's new range because of this campaign? No. 
I don't think that anyone's rushing to the shops to buy this baby soft product. I think that if they're already a baby soft customer and mm-hmm. I, I feel like I also feel like in supermarkets it's this kind of like supermarket blindness that you kind of I think yeah. I think that everyone wants to go into a shop and you buy the same things that you always buy and you have like your big shop at the end of the month, you have your smaller shops in between, you know exactly like if you're an all gold person, you're buying that all gold model source. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like everyone is like very set in their ways and like the only way you're gonna change someone's like choice of hot chocolate is if I think it's all generally more word of mouth. I don't think that anyone's standing at the toilet um, paper aisle saying, ooh, <laughs> new toilet paper, this is so exciting. I think that people are <laughs> are the one that they always buy. I think that if budgets are tighter, which they definitely are, yeah. I think it's very price driven um, of how people are going to shop. Um, I don't think that this campaign will boost sales. I mean, if it's a brand yeah. new product, out of course sales are going to increase because you're starting at zero but i don't mm-hmm. think that this yeah. is a campaign that made people go to the shop and be like wow i'm going to change my toilet paper today <laughs> will you try it Tanya? will you go in and, and buy this range and now that you're asking me to i think i shall fantastic give us feedback i want to see your creative post Talia. okay i'll tag you put it up i'll tag you <laughs> amazing free free brands it's hilarious i love it so much well guys thank you so much this has been really an amazing chat and hopefully we can chat about more campaigns coming up in future definitely more more anti-campaigns let's see what happens um talia can you please tell people where they can find you on social media so you can connect um, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter. My handle is Talia Goldberg. It's T-A-L-Y-A, not Y-L-A. So with me on Instagram, it's Mohale underscore 77. And then on Twitter, it's Mohale underscore Madaw. Amazing. Yeah. So thank you so much, guys. Have a fantastic day. And we will chat soon, I'm sure. Thank you so much. Thank- it's a huge pleasure, Talia. Thanks, cool. guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.